amount of water is the largest collection of superpowered individuals from volcanoes all across the Amazon. The worst, most violent quake they had ever felt. The amount of water. Why were we not warned? This is an epic event of biblical proportion. A vortex of magical energy. Cars have been swept up. Reports that the Baxter building has. Millions are dead. What happens next? So I'm out there in New York City, and I ran into Spider-Woman. And no, I won't reveal who she is either. We helped more people, and we both went looking for Spider-Man, and I, I just found his mask. I dropped it off with some people who knew him because we th- thought he might be dead. I was the one who told his family he was likely dead, and then the news reported it, too. New York died today, and with it, people of every shape and size. The enormity of this tragedy is too much to beat, but by the time you read this, the facts of the matter will already be recorded. A feeling of loss and hopelessness washes over this publisher, and one wonders if another feeling will ever replace it. My loving wife was lost in the eternal damnation that was once our happy home. And though my family's gone, my employees are gone, and this newspaper's probably seen its final days, all I can think about today is Spider-Man. Call it shock, call it my inability to process the true horror all of our lives have become. But today I want to talk about one of our fallen heroes. Spider-Man. Before I was carried away from this hell, my last witness was of Spider-Man. I was witness to maybe his last acts of true heroism and selflessness. I saw with my own eyes this young man dive into the hellish waters that killed us and try with everything he had to save anyone he could. And now I'm ashamed of myself. I now realize the sins of my past, my weakness as a man and my corruption as a journalist. My confession to you is that I failed you. Spider-Man was a hero. Not a freak or a menace or any of the other names I called him in the pages of my newspaper for laughs and profit. A hero. I confess to you that on numerous occasions I either tweaked a story to put blame on him or didn't run the story at all. One such story comes to mind. When the story originally ran in my newspaper, it ran with the headline, Army called as Monster and Spider-Man team up to wreck city. This was false. This was a lie. Looking over my reporter's original notes and story, I see a man, a child, braver and more heroic than I will ever be. And sadly, this was not the only time I perpetuated this lie. One can only marvel at the self-delusion that this publisher wrapped himself in to decide he was doing this in the name of journalism, that this was serving the public interest. My obituary for Spider-Man is my confession, and not only for misrepresenting this story, but all the others. My inability to understand what was driving him was probably what first led me down this path of deceit. Maybe it was the mystery of the full-body costume and mask, the unknown, the indescribable. A man, the first of his kind, actually bouncing around this city, taking the law into his hands. This gave me carte blanche to tear into him, to ridicule and to attack. 
See, as a newspaper man all my life, I know as well as anyone that it's so easy to blame the boogeyman for the world's ills. It takes all the blame off of the shoulders of our readers and ourselves. Uh, why he dressed like this, I, I do not know. Fear of discovery, showmanship, secrets so dark he can never show his face to the world, we'll never know. Now, all we know about him as a human will come out of his recorded actions. A man-child is eager to capture a purse snatcher as he is to go up against whatever kinds of macabre this city has to offer. And yes, as far as we know, Spider-Man was part of that disorder, but all we really know about this Spider-Man, the only inarguable fact, is that he rose to every single challenge presented to him. In the face of greed, evil, and maliciousness, he stood his ground. Never asking for payment, never asking for reward, and when the winds of society blew against him, when we in the media tore into him like wild animals, he did not waver. Whether we liked him or not, whether we appreciated him or not, he stood up and was counted. Now, there's an ongoing argument in our newsroom that with the appearance in the world of a Spider-Man, a Thor, or Captain America, uh, new kinds of criminals and villainy followed. That the level of heroes seemed to beget the level of villains, or vice versa. Maybe that was true. We'll never know. But in retrospect, all we can say is, thank God someone doesn't care what we think of them. One can only imagine the hell that comes with living a life of moral certainty. Challenges and choices at every turn. Hard choices. Choices that men of honor and years of experience would have a hard time making, let alone a man-child thrust into a world he was only just beginning to understand. Now imagine the weight of choices put before him every day, and that in the end, because of those choices, this man-child will now stand among our greatest heroes. As the days and weeks roll ahead, we will hear many heart-wrenching stories of bravery and selflessness. This I know. When this city falls, it rises to even greater glories. For most of us today, that idea is the only thing keeping us sane. But what I hope against all hope is that no word I have written against this hero has turned any of you against the idea of helping your fellow man. Let the actions of our fallen hero guide you to do the right thing here in this, our most desperate hour. Do not let one work I've written in the past dissuade you from being the person you need to be today. I may never understand who Spider-Man was or what he did. All I will know is he would have wanted you to be your best today, New York. Do not falter. Do not weaken in the face of challenge. Do as he's done. Our better days are before us. May all of you rise to the occasion. May all of you get to live the life Spider-Man did. So we all head out and find Mole Man in the San Andreas Fault, where his people are fighting flame people since Magneto messed up the Earth's poles. Pretty soon, I'm doing what I do best, and I tackle the King of the Fire people till his flame goes out. And initially, Molkovic is hesitant. He doesn't want to help, saying us surface folk get what we need, until Susie gets mentioned, and then he's practically piloting the ship back to New York. So we get back to the Baxter building, and Susie has an aneurysm or something requiring a delicate touch. So Mole Man says, why not shrink inside a body and fix it? Luckily, I'd stolen some pin particles last week to fight our future selves, so we go on a new ship into Susie's body. Turns out, Reed filled us with nanobots for whatever reason that tried to kill us when Artie and I went into a blood. So he gets the surgery done while I keep on fighting and we get out of there like Dodge since one of the nanobots popped the Pim's tank and we got big. Susie's a fighter and she's back up in the next hour, fully awake like she didn't get a tiny surgery done. She finds out Johnny's missing, and suddenly we're looking for him using the nanobots in all of us since Reed's missing and he ain't answering our calls. Only problem is to reverse the signal, we had to increase it to something, and that ain't my area of expertise. I'm here for hitting people. Turns out, Mary knows the best thing for that signal we need is in Atlantis. Now, I don't trust Mary, and I don't like Atlantis because their leader is a jerk named Namor. He stole Susie twice and has no respect for humans. We find out when we get down there that Reed stole Namor, so his school of fish ain't happy. We escape them, get what we need, and try to track down Reed and Johnny. 
Reed ended up in a world he'd already messed up, where he's with Doctor Doom instead of being with family. And then it turns out that the hothead is in another dimension that ends up spilling into Greenwich Village. I wanted a career trip early on with Storm Chasers. You know, the kind of people who track tornadoes and film them. The ones who run towards the damage. Uh, I got to go on a career day to, to some local ones. And uh, they, you know, they showed me their tech, their studio. Then they got warning of a potential tornado and took off, leaving me behind. It was unfair, but apparently they didn't want to risk my life. So I decided to try and risk it myself. We lived out in corn country then, and my parents got fed up with me trying to be a storm chaser, so I got shipped off to New York City, as far away from tornadoes as they could think of. We had one uh, a few years ago, but by that time I had found my new love. That first big Hulk fight with the Ultimates, the one they did so they can kind of keep the funding, that was where most people met the Hulk. But I'd seen him before. He ran into Spider-Man, he was greener then, that was a weird thing at first. The military came after, I shot some photos, the military tracked me down and destroyed my photos, obviously, and I knew I had something more dangerous than tornadoes. When the Grey Hulk appeared in New York City, I was ready. I started mapping damage, destruction, speed. The big guy gets around, and I was going to be one of the first ones to try to figure it out. There actually was a website we used, uh, HulkSightings.net, uh, and it was popular until the other Hulk chasers realized it was a shield program to track him and harvest our information without compensating us. I even heard it led to a few arrests. But I got distracted. There were Hulk sightings after his death across the country, and the path he was taking got us Hulkheads to look for him back in the Big Apple. Like it's a Godzilla thing where he's got a sense when things are going down. I was tracking Bruce Banner, you know, the Hulk's human identity on the street when the wave came. I was worried for my life because so few of us have seen the Hulk transform, and when that water came at me, I was like, God ain't taking me away now, not before I see this. And Banner got big, and he got gray, and he started running. I got my footing, checked my equipment, which, you know, in this business, you have to be disaster ready at all times, and I followed him. Pretty soon, Spider-Man runs into Hulk, and the two work together, and now I wasn't one of those bugle boys who believed Jonah Jameson saying it was all a hoax and Spider-Man was evil. I even got some shot of them saving people from buildings. And they came across someone, Daredevil I think, dead in the rubble, and the Hulk unhulked? Like I got photos of it, they were saying something I couldn't make out and Banner hulks out again and Spider-Man books it. We ended up in Greenwich at a house that was pretty sure belonged to Doctor Strange with a car sticking through the roof. Suddenly demons started pouring out of the hole and Doctor Strange's following and Whammy's Hulk and Spider-Man. Like Hulk is getting swarmed with people and a whole bunch of Spider-Man's baddies show up like uh... Doc Ock, Green Nasty, Lightning Man. Look, I'm a Hulk chaser, so forgive me if I get some of the names wrong. So Hulk didn't stop fighting and ends up beating his bad guy and Spider-Man's guys and the whole place explodes. I didn't catch what happened to Spider-Man, but suddenly some Spider-Woman or whoever it is checking on the Hulk uh, who chases her before a shield comes off. At this point, my camera's dying. I figured I pressed my luck enough and retreated. Greenskin420, a local Hulk chaser, swears he saw him leave with the X-Men, but I'll believe when he gets his photos that he swears shield took from him. Anyone who swears Hulk is working with the muties is crazy. Well, I'd been fighting the family of Doctor Strange for several generations before I faced Stephen Jr. At the time, I was the ruler of the Dark Dimension, a realm where dark magic ruled everything that had been sealed to prevent Eldritch Madness from being released. I at the time, was seeking to wield the chaos and disorder that had been released into your world through Magneto's attack, and things didn't go to plan. Johnny Storm uh, ended up falling into my trap, and I was like, oh, hey, I can use this guy to fuel my takeover of this reality. And next thing you know, the Statue of Liberty is animated, and eating him to send him into my realm, which... I can tell you, he did not enjoy. <laughs> now, hundreds of years ago, the Ancient One made the Orb of Akamantata, which was meant to keep the Dark Dimension from spilling out into your realm, this realm. Apparently, all you needed to do to break it was send a car through the seal of the Ancient One on the Sanctum Sanctorum, and suddenly I had my demon army swarming out into the streets of New York City. I even surprised Doctor Strange and possessed him for a bit. That was great. I faced down Spider-Man and Hulk. I sent their nightmares after them. It's generally more in nightmares territory, but... I made the nightmares physically manifest instead of just attacking them psychologically. It's harder. It's real. Hulk had to face everyone he ever killed, which was more of a banner problem, really, because he was 
easily able to throw off a bunch of civilians he'd killed before. And Spider-Man faced his worst enemies. That kid has a lot of demons, and they were honestly the bigger threat. Hulk, though, he got nasty after re-killing his victims. Came after me. Ended up busting the seal completely open. Destroyed the Sanctum Sanctorum and everything that was in it, and which allowed me to assume my true form. Which isn't this. Doctor Strange also got released and tried to face me. And Honestly, killing him with his cape by choking him till his head exploded was great. <laughs> the cape was tacky when his dad had it. And 50 years of fashion changes didn't do anything to bring it back into style. <laughs> then Johnny Storm's family came. Somehow, Sue... Sue Storm gets this idea that because my head was made of fire and I was wearing her brother and a bauble to harness his fire energy that I could be somehow overloaded. And apparently it turned out that it was true. So I guess I should have I should have been prepared for that. My head exploded. And I've been stuck in a human form uh, when it happened I had no way home no identification mostly I offer magical secrets to those who have innate abilities hoping some demon they make a crooked deal with through me bring me back too but for now here I am in this human life it's one thing to fight like evil tyrants it's another to lose your family all of a sudden had no point just see it all vanish in an instant so i had to catch my breath for a second at the statue of liberty and you know what it's not as big as you think it is like out of towners expected to be this massive statue but it's small it's just one of those things like never meet your heroes so i'm out there feeling awful and i'm angry and i yell at the statue and it well, she replied. She said, I should have done something. And then she ate me. So, it turns out some evil magic guy wanted to use me to power his magic. It wasn't the first time either. Doctor Strange got ganked by the guy when he came out of his house wearing me like a necklace. I mean, this was Doctor Strange. He was the master of magic. And his house exploded. I run into him on the TV circuit. He had actual magic. But he gets his... He just gets killed. Like, almost instantly. Spidey and Hulk showed up to try to fight, and the demon guy used my heat to, like, to, to attack them with nightmares. So Susie and I head out there, and turns out that some super muckety-muck exploded from that wizard stranger's house, killed him, and is wearing Johnny like some necklace for power. Susie gets the idea that if this guy has a flame for her head, she can burn out the oxygen, so she bubbles his head. Johnny gets hotter than ever before, and the muckety-muck turns human and angry. Johnny claims after his dad died, the Statue of Liberty ate him and captured him, but grief makes us see weird things. My name is Moria McTaggart, and I am here to set some things straight. The ultimatum event was entirely caused by Magneto's grief. I know other people have come out to claim that it was Dr. Doom or Xavier manipulating him. But Magneto is a man who lost his children in a targeted attack. If someone targeted Pietro and Wanda, then that means they caused the anxiety incident that sent Magneto into a fit of madness. But Magneto had planned to flip the poles for years to kill all the humans, myself being a rare exception. The way it was executed was the abnormal part. I was also there in Magnosa when he died. A few weeks prior, I'd been running a charity to provide healthcare and shelter to mutants on Muir Island that were under my supervision for over a decade. While Charles had two different cults offering him funding because they worshipped one of his students, I did not. I had actual lies of the mutants that Charles couldn't handle in my hands. Do you know how much it costs to maintain the life of someone whose skin turns oxygen into cyanide gas? 
Do you know what it costs to help someone whose skeleton vanished when a mutant gene activated? Using research provided by Cheros and Eric, before he was Magneto of course, I began producing a mutant enhancement supplement from the DNA of Wolverine. The supplement gained the street moniker Banshee for reasons that are far beyond me. Selling the supplement allowed me to protect and provide for mutants who otherwise would have been out of control or dead. Of course, you find people who then go overboard and would use Banshee to fuel other illicit activities, and that's ultimately on them, and not myself. I didn't tell Department H's Alpha Flight to wage war on the X-Men, but that event led to Wolverine ultimately coming in looking to kill the source, and then Charles left me to hang like the eternal gentleman that he was. My lab exploded, and Pietro spirited me away to my Neo Citadel, where I did what I could to restore my capability to make the Banshee. Nobody asked what happened to the children I was looking after though. Nobody asked what happened when users who required the drug to function had to deal with losing their source. They simply uprooted the tree they didn't like because it had some bad branches and then let it fall to cause damage that would be someone else's problem. I mean, before he had the banshee, Colossus was unable to move in his metal form. Before he had the drug, Cyclops was unable to control his eyes without a visor. Rogue couldn't control her touch. Wolverine was fine to resign them to this day. What I did saved lives. But Wolverine declared me a villain. I didn't even actively use his DNA. I wasn't regularly sampling him, and unfortunately, since he's dead, there is nothing left to sample. When the Ultimates and the X-Men attacked the Citadel, I can't say they were in the wrong. We need all gone too far, killed millions without a thought. Was there a better solution to keep him from doing evil? I don't know. But we needed another mutant voice that was actually going to push for progress within the community. Magneto pushed too far, but he was more acting than Charles, who was fine to sit and hope people got better. And I will note that one of the Madrox clones actually tried to kill Magneto for all the help that it did. And then, of course, top cop Nick Fiore came in and destroyed Magneto with a psychic attack. As far as I know, he rewrote his mind. Charles had that in his playbook from before when he destroyed Magneto's memories. Well, Magneto changed course, fixed the mess he made with the poles, and then Cyclops murdered him. For now, I'm out of business in mutant affairs. I did what I needed to try and save lives, and I was branded a villain. Charles and Magneto are both better to the world for being dead, and I hope whoever writes the obituary on them does not ignore how utterly human both these mutant leaders were. So our team, and then Gene's team, who fought more multiple men in the Morlock tunnels that also got banished, the teams reunited, and somehow Gene convinced the Hulk, the big green guy who destroyed part of New York City, she got him along. Cyclops didn't want me coming along to the Citadel, though, so I got stuck back at base and heard everything else after. In his anger over the loss of his children... Magneto sought to destroy the world by reversing the magnetic poles, which caused millions of deaths. Reed Richards, who was tied to the crimes of my homeworld caused by Doom and Nicholas Fury, blamed an Atlantean, who was known as Namor because a wave hit the city of New York. Atlantis is an underwater city, and this was all of the proof of guilt the supposed genies Reed Richards required. Around this time, Charles Xavier of the X-Men, a group of mutants, warned the heroes of this world that the attack was in reality an attack by Magneto. Namor led Reed Richards to Doom and myself, and the plan was made to return Nicholas Fury to his homeworld. Fury had been the one who had seen this coming, and Doom had not expected the fury of Magneto to lead to such destruction. Doom was also frustrated that their kingdom of Latveria had been frozen in the ensuing chaos. Nicholas, being pragmatic, returned home to this earth, and we went after Magneto on his citadel, joining a contingent of X-Men and the Ultimates. Valkyrie, Thor's sexual partner, was able to retrieve the hammer Mjolnir from the grasp of Magneto, and working together after the death of the mutant Wolverine, Magneto was backed into a corner. There, Nicholas Fury and Jean Grey, a mutant, showed Magneto the truth that his belief of being appointed by God to kill all humans was in fact false. He and all other mutants were actually created by man. Magneto undid the damage to the poles of the Earth, 
and was justifiably executed by the mutant Cyclops. I then returned to help and resolved damage that was caused by the attack in the city of New York. I hope this has answered your questions. Death came to gods and heroes. It was, like, super common. Here, there were dead heroes. We couldn't prevent. Only avenge. Like, that's not what I wanted to do. But the fate of this world lay in our hands. In... But the fate of this world lay in the hands of the remaining heroes. And we vowed to fight with our greatest ferocity at the black heart of Magneto. Storming a citadel, good and noble warriors. But we persisted, and from Magneto's arm, I wrestled the Hamlet Mjolnir, Thor's trustiest tool, as well as Magneto's arm which held it. And as reality returned to Magneto, and he undid his evil plots for his death, he was smote. Now I fight for the honor of my dead love, most verily. We headed to Magneto Citadel after repairing our goodbyes and gathering the Hulk. Angel was killed, followed by Wolverine. Magneto persisted, trying to fight till the end, but Nick Fury had me there for a specific reason to share his truth. Mutants aren't naturally occurring. They are and have always been man-made from the DNA of Wolverine. And Magneto died there, emotionally first. He had been advertising a holy war and then found out that God was a lie. He realized he'd made a mistake, but this wasn't something that could be undone. The lives could not be regained. He reversed the poles, but that was the least he could do. I would have brought everyone back if I could. And then Scott killed him. I don't know what I wish I could have done, but murder on the scale that Magneto had caused was unfathomable. Down below, the engines were broken and we left the sinking citadel. Then, days later, Cyclops was arguing to save our future, and he was gunned down by someone mysterious. We returned to the mansion one last time to bury the dead and to tear down the school. It was fascinating how quickly it was all gone. There was a battle, but that wasn't important. The man who'd mentored me was gone. The man I, the man I had loved was gone too. Friends and students with their lives before them had vanished, and the reason was what? Someone believed they were God. I've been there, I've felt the power, and this was more the act of man than God. When I got back home, Wolverine, who is just Wolverine, you don't need to believe that he was someone different under the spandex, he, <laughs> he gave me a box like he knew he was going to die. I didn't believe at the time that it was possible. And now I feel like an idiot for not taking him seriously. I still haven't opened the box because I still think... because I think I still expect him to come back. Smelling like <laughs> cigars and bad alcohol, but I've seen his remains and... there's not much left, but it's where nobody can get it anymore. I've been a member of the Ultimatum Truth Society, and I am here to talk to you because what actually happened during the so-called Ultimatum Wave is actually a false flag operation to establish a new world order that would be controlled by Nick Fury, former director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like many real Americans, I noticed that when the Ultimatum Wave happened, it mostly killed people in the United States, and specifically New York City. Why was that? It was a targeted attack on the city that has what? Oh, right. The highest density of costumed heroes on the planet planet. You attack here and you hit the Ultimates, you probably hit the X-Men. You hit Spider-Man, Daredevil, and so many other costumed vigilantes who refuse to work with S.H.I.E.L.D. 
Did you know about the Morlocks who live underground? The secret mutant society with tunnels under the city? If you are unfamiliar with them, there is a link at the bottom of the YouTube page. The Morlocks got hit twice, not just by the flood that didn't affect them, but also by a wave of suicide bombers. Suicide bombers that were actually suits controlled by Nick Fury. If you look at the pictures, these were all the same person, because Nick Fury has an army of clone slugs that he can use to attack major sites across the globe. You don't believe me, but they also attacked the Academy of Tomorrow in Chicago, where the X-Men fought them. They attacked the Xavier Mansion outside New York, famously home to the X-Men. You know what else was there? Mutants and other people with gifts. They also attacked London at an EU meeting attended by the EU superhero community and several other hero-adjacent sites. It's not a coincidence, because Nick Fury planned for all of this to happen. Okay, so this is from the records I got through an unnamed source. There's a link on them in the YouTube notes. Watch the video. Nick Fury has actually been alive since the 1930s. He fought in World War II. Look at this. Unless you expect me to believe the man in this photo and this photo are relatives who look exactly the same, because Fury has records of being arrested by the military police and as a black man was most likely forced into experimentation by the government that didn't expect him to survive. <sighs> you heard about the shit the government was doing back during the 40s. The government was doing all sorts of experiments to try and win the war, and it's not like they got Captain America right the first time. The thing is that Nick Fury is one of the survivors of the experiment that led to Captain America being created. And it goes deeper, because you know about Department H, right? They're the Canadian government that developed Weapon X, the mutant covert ops organization. There's a link in the description. They financed the development of mutants themselves, basing it off of the genes of Wolverine. You know, Wolverine, who initially had ties to Magneto as part of his brotherhood, and who, look at this photo again... That is Wolverine, a Canadian soldier, next to Nick Fury during World War II. Wolverine was another Captain America candidate who survived, and he probably came after Fury because how else would he have those claws and the healing factor? So the government produces Nick Fury as a test. Department H sends in their own Canadian to go through the process, and they get Wolverine. And now you might say, well, what does it mean? It means Department H and S.H.I.E.L.D. made mutants, but it gets more wild. Weapon X, the Black Ops team, worked to develop more mutants. Two of the head scientists have the last name Lensha. You know who Eric Lensha is? It's Magneto. Magneto, the man tied to the program that made mutants whose own family died mysteriously before we started seeing Wolverine appearing again with Magneto. So the government said that Magneto was behind the attack and that he did it because his children were killed by assassins, but that's horse crap. First off, the Ultimates claim that the murders of his children were done by an android, but that just means, if nothing else, Nick Fury controlled a killbot to kill Magneto's children, and at the assassination of Cyclops outside the Senate, if you saw the video, and I have screen caps, you can see Quicksilver firing the bullet that kills Cyclops. This is weeks after he supposedly died. Quicksilver, who previously worked with Nick Fury's shield and betrayed his father, Magneto. So if Quicksilver wasn't killed, then why was Magneto so angry? He wasn't. Nick Fury purposefully used mutants that Fury had worked with. See my video on how S.H.I.E.L.D. funded the X-Men. Fury used mutants like Storm to flood New York City to create a crisis. He blamed it on Magneto, because what was Magneto? He was the only other person leading mutants besides Charles Xavier, and he had developed technology that improved the mutant development process. So then Xavier gets killed by Nick Fury, who blames it on Magneto in the crisis. Then Nick Fury is invited back to solve this problem that Carol Danvers, his second-in-command, is unable to handle. Fury then gets to send his army of super soldiers in to kill Magneto. With the leaders of mutants gone, the mutants have a choice with a law that Fury is backing, using his connections in the government to pass. Now they can either register with Fury's new army, or they will become wanted criminals. Suddenly, Fury, who should have stayed fired, if not executed, for invading an alternate universe, leading to an army of superheroes from another reality invading because he attacked them, Watch that video too, it's linked. Suddenly, Nick Fury has his own unstoppable team of mutants and non-mutants to attack the government and take over the country, forming an immortal empire because he doesn't age. 
Nick Fury killed Charles Xavier to get his X-Men under his control, and then he used the Ultimates to kill Magneto so he could recruit the mutants, control the development of more mutants, then live forever as the leader of the formerly free world. And that's not even getting to the important part that he controls who can become a mutant, because Fury is a mutant himself, just like Captain America, because mutants are all man-made. You gotta keep watching because Fury is gonna drive this country into a civil war to keep his power and then declare martial law so he rules the country. Remember to share this because as always, YouTube is trying to silence the truth from you. Do I believe Wolverine is dead? I didn't see him die. Hell, I still think everyone else could come back. Like, I heard there were robot clones of the Ultimates with flesh parts. I, I don't really believe what happened. Maybe Scarlet Witch isn't dead. Is Magneto dead? Xavier lied about that before. I do know that we buried bodies at the mansion, and then I destroyed the mansion, which was surprisingly easy to do. Like, I turned it to ice, and it collapsed. Oh, and then Mystique, some robot, and Sabretooth, who at some point left Rogue's team, came to try and join us, and we kicked their collective butts with Captain America's help. I don't really know what's next, because Xavier and Scott were our leaders, and it's really down to Rogue, Gene, and me as the last real X-Men. After everything shook out, after Cyclops got assassinated outside the Senate announcing mutant registration, the remaining team got back together to dispose of the dad at our old base. There were X-Men who joined since I left and died. Even though I didn't really know them... I knew that they'd been part of the family. This weird, messed up family. Bobby, Iceman, ended up destroying the structure, and we buried the bodies, and that's when the ex-Brotherhood showed up. Mystique, Sabretooth, and some weird Ultimates-themed robot? Captain America popped in out of nowhere to join us, and we took them down and tried to pay our respects before disbanding. The X-Men are gone, we are illegal mutants with an uncertain future, and I'm still in freaking high school. I mean, imagine that being your world. That's what my world is. The city you knew got attacked by some madman and you still don't understand everything that was going on and you've got homework and projects? It's going to get better. I hope it starts soon. Uh, eventually Ben and Sue showed up and it was wild because Sue traps him in the bubble and tells me to flame on and I don't question her because, because she's my sister. She knows better than anyone. Apparently, all that fire burnt out the demon thing, turned him into a human, and I fell down unconscious. And so I got out of, like, literal hell, or maybe a hell-like dimension. Reed would want me to add that in. And finally, with some time for thinking, it all kind of hit me. Dad died to save me. Dad wanted me to be actually happy. Dad wanted me to figure out what I really wanted. And I guess that's what I needed. That realization. If I could have saved him, I would have. Instead, I'm trying to figure out who I should be, and if I can be who he wanted. Like, I'm not just the human torch, superhero and celebrity. So, after the funeral, I left America, and somehow, you all found me out here. Oh, and if you know Spider-Girl, have her ring me up. Like, if you find her during these interviews, I consent to you all giving her my number. Let me just write it down. So we get back. Artie's happy to have something to do, but things ain't sitting right. Reed abandoned Susie for revenge or something. Johnny's in mourning. Susie isn't looking for conversation. So I decide to run emotional interference with Fareed, try to get him to see things differently and it didn't go too well. Reed thinks if you're the biggest brain in the room, what happens is your fault. I ain't that dumb to think that's true. But he does and he blames it all and every future problem on Victor Von Doom. 
He's the guy who messed with our teleporter, gave us our powers, tried to take over a country, swapped bodies with Reed, and last I knew, went to a zombie dimension. I still ain't sure how he left there, but Reed has the idea that Victor caused this problem. Caused Reed's problem in another world, caused the death of Magneto's kids, so I figure I had to do something. I find Doom sitting in his throne, Namor caged up, planning something evil, and I end him. I ain't much for killing, but I see it like this. Everyone asks if you could go back in time and kill Hitler, would you? I ain't a big fan of that, it's a bit simple. Reed told me about some places where it doesn't change things. But I like to think people can be good. I like to believe in people. There's exceptions to the rules. I see it as I killed Hitler. I killed Doom. I killed a man who killed millions and I don't regret it. I don't regret killing a man who killed millions as a side effect. And who was gonna do it again. Back during the crisis. Ross offered me a job as a pilot. I turned him down at first. It was... It was going to be moving me from my family. But after the funeral started, it wasn't what we were anymore. Susie turned down Reed's proposal. Johnny left somewhere else. Last I heard, he was living in France. Susie took over her dad's lab in the Baxter building. Reed moved home with his parents. I decided to settle down myself. Get an actual life going and join the Air Force. It's steady. I ain't punching out bozos every week. But now, I'm finding who I am alone. Just for everyone else wishes they could be your kids I love you and the two of us are gonna stay with you until the Atlantic Ocean rises and get your fight on for the sea You've been listening to Part 2 of When the Poles Reversed, a special Multiversal Q documentary. When the Poles Reversed was written by Luke Hare, who can be found on Twitter as at Coltreg. J. Jonah Jameson was played by Jonah Jackson, based on a comic script from Ultimatum Spider-Man Requiem No. 2, written by Brian Michael Bendis. Jonah can be found on Twitter as Jonah M. Jackson, Brian Michael Bendis can be found on Twitter as at Brian M. Bendis. Kitty Pride was played by Rebecca Parks. She can be found on Twitter as at Rebs Parks. The Thing was played by Mike Donahue. He can be found on Twitter as at Barely Sushi. The Hulk Chaser was performed by Dominic Griffin. He can be found on Twitter at 
all-new Dom. Dormammu was played by Wormtooth. His industrial rap music and ARG can be found at wormtooth.net. The Human Torch was played by Cameron Diordio. He can be found on Twitter as at StopGrammarTime. Moira McTaggart was voiced by Maria Fanning. She can be found on Twitter as ThatAceGal. Iceman was played by Jeffrey Golden. He can be found on Twitter as at Jeffrey Golden. Zarda was played by Aaron Langton. She can be found on Twitter at Oerba Din Aaron. Valkyrie was played by Madison Rowan. She can be found on Twitter at at Quipster Rikuru. Jean Grey was played by Kaylee Hearn. She can be found on Twitter at at Runch Crunch Crunch. The Fury Conspiracy was performed by Jack David. They can be found on Twitter at at jackdaw.tv. Additional opening audio was provided by Cap Blackard. She can be found on Twitter as at Cap Blackard. Additional audio was provided by Kyle Wirtz and Andrew Young. They can respectively be found at at Mayor Wirtz and at Hocus Blocus. The music used in the episode was New York and I Love You by the Hell Yeah Babies, who can be found on Twitter as at Hell Yeah Babies. All other music was coincidental loops. All other news clips were swiped because we live in a chaotic world where disasters happen. Next time on Ultiversal Q, we rank all the stories and recap them as normal. Thank you for listening. Welcome back from the second half of the Ultimatum. Uh, welcome back from the second half of the Ultimatum. When the polls are verse special, I'm Luke. And I'm Devin. And as you know, we've been doing a charity fun drive that I really didn't plan out all that well. And let's go to the numbers. Uh, we have gotten two additional dollars on our Patreon, which puts us two dollars under the level that we need to do an annual ultimate, or to do an, to do an annual exiled special. If we can get up to the $80, which would be an only $22, that means two exiled annuals every year. Wouldn't that be just lovely? Let's take some calls now. Uh, there don't seem to be any, but hopefully no. those phones will be ringing so shortly. Oh, here's a call now. Do you want to pick it up, Devin? Yes. Hello, this is the Charity Fund Drive. How can we help you? We have your daughter, if you want to see her alive, send $500,000 in unmarked bills to the corner of 57th and Labyrinth Avenue. No, 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 you don't understand. But we also have your daughter, and I need $500,000 so that I can get her back to you. But I need money from your daughter, so I... Wait, oh... Well, what if we both undo the uh, hostage-taking and release each other's daughter, and then we get to keep our money that we currently have that we would use otherwise to pay for the ransom? Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds good. All right, and they have hung up. I'm glad you worked that out, Devin. Good news, we're not losing money. Bad news, we need to kidnap someone to exchange as their daughter. Well... Isn't getting to know anybody really kidnapping? Sometimes, sometimes. Oh, and it looks like there is another call coming in. Hello? Baba boy, baba boy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Do you have anything else to add? And do you have anything else to add? Uh, I think they've hung up. Hung up. The, the, the light has gone off. Fuck, we need to keep them on the line so we can trace the calls of whoever keeps doing that. Well, while we're here, do you know what you can get if you donate a ridiculous amount of money or a reasonable amount of money to the Patreon? Wasn't it some DVDs, I believe, Luke? Oh, yeah, if you donate 100 DVDs, we will give you... 
If you donate $100 a month, we will give you 10 random DVDs. If you donate 100 DVDs, we'll give you $10 a month. Math. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, DVDs are one of those things that really haven't kept a lot of value. Unless you're talking about the rare ones to find. Mm-hmm. And even those... Like that copy of Bleeder that I still can't find anywhere. Yeah. <sighs> well, you know what's bad, Devin? What, Luke? The NVC app. I'm just trying I to have a conversation. Yeah, I downloaded it because I found out that Kolchak the Night Stalker is on there. Is it free? Because I kept hearing it was going to be free and that with ads, but then yeah, it's not. It's free with ads, but when oh, okay. I tried to watch a TV show. It was like six ads in a row, as if I was watching actual TV, and then the second time ads came up, no ads actually came up, and then the episode just stopped playing and it lost the progress. And then I had to watch through ads to try and get back, and I was like, fuck this. Nice. Mm-hmm. I should have been more suspicious when it had two stars on the Apple Store. Yeah. Well, it's released did so mm -hmm. or is this the peacock thing no peacock is coming later oh, okay yeah this one does have a bunch of sci-fi movies and sci-fi shows on it and a weird mix of actual movies gotcha yeah that's that's kind of how it goes it looks like we're having another call hello It's not a good bit that I created. Luckily, folks, we have actually tracked this person here, and luckily this is what I've prepared for as I type in my phone. Here is our new special guest, the ghost. Ghost, take care of this individual. And this is where we see the ghost has gone through the phone, since that is an established ghost power. And he has now murdered the Baba Booey man. <laughs> this bitch is done. <laughs> the Baba Book. Okay. Well, we'll be back in another half hour after you get this whole small documentary about the history of jazz samples in early 90s hip-hop but Devin, where where can people find you online you can find me online at fred of it that's f-r-e-d-d-o-f-e-t-t -E -T. and you might also find me in jail soon as i just hired that hitman to <laughs> to kill a uh, caller and luke where can people find you you can find me on twitter at at coltreg that's k-o-l-t-r-e-g Multiversal Q and Multiversal Q are listener sponsored podcasts if you would like to sponsor us to keep making ridiculous jokes and to not do a Baba Booey joke again please consider donating at patreon.com slash lukehair l-u-k-e-h-e-r-r -E also we have a Facebook and a Twitter and if you enjoyed this please share it on your social media and uh, leave a review and we'll be back later on with a ultimatum wrap up after the history of jazz samples being used in early 90s hip hop We'll catch you then on the flip mode. Peace.